Hello and welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black. Tonight we're talking about episode 413, the season 4 finale, Toast Can't Never Be Bread Again. I'm your host, Aaron. And I am Cecily. And yeah, we're probably closing the season out tonight. Uh, first, I want to offer a sincere apology. Um, I Pokemon feel... Go came out and we just simply could not bring ourselves back inside for a week. Uh, no, what actually happened is we had a vacation that we had planned months ago that uh, came up and I thought we could get this all, I thought we could get the two, the three of us together, me, you, and Pilani, uh, an evening before that and get this final thing recorded and some scheduling got changed and, uh, just, we just ran out of time and I felt like a giant shit. Like if you know any of my other podcasts, you know how much personal pride I take in not missing deadlines and, this has been a real kind of a challenging season for me. Uh, going for you know, uh, going forward, I don't think that we'll have as many podcasts that I'm trying to do simultaneously. But uh, that's definitely something uh, I'm going to be looking at in the future. And I, I apologize that we're getting this out a week late. And I'm also apologizing that uh, we couldn't get Pilani on there. We tried uh, several times to get our schedules to coordinate, and she's on the West Coast, and we're on the East Coast, and you know she's extremely busy and traveling a lot, and we just weren't able to do it. She's so. a jet, and we're sharks. That's right. Uh, we uh, we're going, you know, we're we're going to war with the weapons we got, and in this case, it's it's me and Cecily, and we're both half cocked. So, uh. We're going to be talking about the episode in particular, our thoughts on the season as a whole, and uh, also sharing some final thoughts uh, from your fellow fans in the feedback section. Cecily, what did you think of this uh, final episode? I didn't like it. Really? I thought the last the last episode, which I'm really glad I didn't have to cover because I was sobbing on the couch, and I can only imagine I would be doing so on the podcast itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. Also, given that it was directed by Matthew Weiner, doesn't surprise me, sure. which I found out afterwards. This episode felt, uh, it just felt like strangely edited to me. There was. Well, it's also ripped from the headlines. I mean, this, this Black Lives. Yeah, they're talking about Black Lives Matter and the justified oh, yeah. use of force and no, like. Not, not the subject matter. It's just uh-huh. the way it was composited, I guess. Like, why did. I loved everything that we got out of Poussey. Yeah. Why did it happen this episode? So I also think it's, that this episode I, It's got is, the religious symbolism and things like that, but mm. I just think that it would have worked better leading up to Poussey's death hmm. as intersplicing in the last episode. Better yeah, than so it did everything's here. kind of coming together and converging. The way the, the Daya got a gun at the end and was just and the camera was spinning around and the way they just that left was, it like that. I, yeah. didn't, I just didn't like it. I felt like this episode was entirely about setting up next season, more yeah. so than really uh, moving forward the plot uh, of this season. And that's fine, because it gives us a lot of things to talk about, and it gives us, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, other shows do that too. Like Game of Thrones traditionally has been, you know, season, or episode nine has always been the big moment, and then episode ten is kind of like the setup for next season, and kind of like rekindling hope and setting things in motion. So a lot of shows do that where you've got, and I know The Wire was always that way too. You'd always have the big moments in the season, the episodes leading up to the finale, and then the finale would be more of a, a denouement. But I, so it's you know it, it's unfortunate we had this one single episode that we have to kind of like go out on. But um, I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad. And and the second time watching it, I was a little bit more engaged with the Pusey stuff, yeah. and I thought that ending on her. Smile. The only thing I would have done differently if I was filming this is after she smiled, I'd have her like slowly kind of like lose the smile and just kind of look at us. I thought that would have been powerful. that would have been really haunting. Yeah. Yeah. Exact haunting. That's I'm glad. That's why I have you on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, that but, would have been nice. Or and and also like there's just they keep on up and up and the fucked up ante with mm-hmm. coats and Pensatucky. But you know that the first episode next season it's all going to be undone in like a. Uh, what do they call that? A wink and a whistle. <laughs> uh, uh, really? I don't know because like they have. Uh, for me, they have to deal with that, and they have to deal with this Daya situation. And I don't know how they deal with this Daya situation. Like, it feels that everything that Leda worried about and Glory was trying to protect her from has literally come true. And mm-hmm. I, I also don't know that I, I buy that Daya would grab the gun and try to pull. You know that she she did the weird Dwight from The Walking Dead thing where she's got her middle finger. 
on the trigger, mm-hmm. and, and and then like it cuts away and she's back and she's it looks like someone's like no no sweetie here here's how you hold a gun this is the correct way they, they, but they didn't go back and change the initial scene of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do you buy that Daya this girl who likes to draw anime in her bunk is going to go grab a gun and point it at I a guard's don't. head? I don't. I don't think she has anything to be that upset over. Yeah, like maybe especially she when picks Maria, up the gun and she hands it over. Yeah, like Maria, Maria, when she says, "Are you sure you you got that? You don't want to give it to someone else?" Like I feel like Daya would have definitely. But I don't know. But again, this, that could also be like egging her on. Like this is a test. Sure, I need to pass in front it, of my it, friends. It feels like all of her friends. Her arc was that she's falling into the wrong. Crowd I would also and believe that she may have done that. I mean. I would have, I guess I would have liked to have seen her fall in with Maritza and Flocka more. Mm. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, if she had known some of the things that had happened to them, then she may have had a reason to point the gun at Humphrey. I thought it was awesome that Maritza is the one that disarmed him. Yeah. Like, she was kind of like, I, I got the feeling that she's kind of on edge, and when she sees him go, she was like, you know, eyes like a hawk. Yeah. And there to get, you know, shoulder charge of yeah. justice. She was ready to be on camera. She was up front and she was in, you know, point position to push him down. <laughs> uh, which that was one. That was the big funny thing of me that that they'd done that a lot where mm-hmm. the characters had been laughing either appropriately or inappropriately and mm-hmm. then breaking down and crying. Yeah. And or then fa- crying and then breaking down to the laughter. <laughs> and the way they did it with those two characters, Flock and Maritza, where they you, you think that they were practicing their crying face. I'm like, oh, this is so fucked up. But then it's like, oh, no, they actually, the moments hit them. And then they giggle yeah. and say how, it's like, oh. That, that just goes to show you, like, you know, Pusey wasn't their friend. And and how this impacts different members of the community differently. Right, it's like the silk ring theory. Um Ooh, you know, there's that. there's uh, there's a theory that if you are in the center of a tragedy oh, the tra- or, or a trauma, okay, yeah. like your brother dies, then mm. you and the siblings and the parents are all the most affected. You're right there in and the middle of it. And then the next ring is like your cousins, your aunts, the, his friends, or whatever. Right. And then outside of that are their friends and people who may have known him and just are mourning what. Right. They they lost or thinking about their own mortality in, in such a way that it just has this ripple effect that affects everyone and everyone's mourning in some way or another. You don't have to know her personally to be hurt and I, by and this. I thought they did a good job of that too, to show how there is this outpouring of grief and to the people in the middle of the center, you know, some of the people further rings out, this looks so insincere. It does, saying sorry for you. I mean, what do you say to someone when they've experienced a tragedy like that? It's like when Red says the Nikki's, like, I don't want you saying anything stupid. Like, yeah. she's in a better place. <laughs> this is all part of the stuff that people always say. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's rough. But you can't do nothing. So, you know. And- I know. It's all these things where it's like you. Once you heal, I guess they'll appreciate that those people were being supportive. Yeah. I guess you say those things to open the door to whatever it is you actually need to. And I also think different people take it differently. Like people that are not used to people caring about them or have a low self-esteem or are not used to kind of like loving dynamics uh, are put off by this. Whereas people that like if you if you grew up expecting people to support you and whatnot, then this is probably touching and heartfelt. Right. I I mean, especially. A group of women who seem to be feeling very put upon right now. I mean, Watson made it seem like it was a like it was a Black Lives Matter type of thing. Mm-hmm. When I don't think it was racially charged, not by Bailey at least. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, it's so it's so interesting when you think of the events of this past week that all these storylines are contained within this one hour of television, and. You know, in this case, I would agree. I don't think Bailey is a racist, but the whole the what got, got them into the, the situation, the leadership, and the the training, and the personalities involved, and their relative ability to you know deal with the situation intelligently. I mean, we saw Bailey's backstory for a reason. Like this was all just stew, a clusterfuck of a stew. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting to see it like from Caputo. He's trying to do this noble thing and not get this young kid in jail because mm-hmm. the the company is trying to throw him through the wolves. But from you know uh, Tasty's and and Pusey's friends and from all the black women in the prison, mm-hmm. this is you know they did a 
they did a press conference about the murderer and talked about how he was the victim and he and they didn't even mention my friend's name and suddenly it's you know Attica uh <laughs> which I only know that reference because of a Gilmore Girls episode uh, so i i mean which he, is of course the referencing the famous you know 1970s prison riots and and, and Attica prison so yeah and they ended up with like 50 people dead and mm-hmm. was lasted for days and days is in New York so it's and interesting. Bailey and Pousset are two unassuming people, mostly, yes. but they are the martyrs or the or the poster children right. for this whole this whole charged thing. That I, I guess they're both innocent, but um, they're opening the doors to something. I mean, that's the thing, I and mean, I think that's what people at the end of the day, have a hard time because I've seen it just, you know, in my social media and everything that, like, people want to support the police, people want to support the, the the people that were slain, and everyone's like, you know, it's it's this this either-or, like, what side are you on? And, you know, that's fair enough. Like, that, that's a that's a lens you can look at I mean, I guess they're just through. innocent of any malicious intent. I mean, Pousset did attack him, but she didn't deserve to be held down until she died. And sure, I mean he just suffers from obviously poor training. Yes, and, she and was poor just, judgment. And she was just trying to defend her friend. Yep, and and, I mean, the, and the situation had been allowed to spiral out of control. Um, yeah, like I said, it's it's a. I understand why everyone is upset. It's, 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 I, I don't, I don't know what you say. It's like, I thought the Obama's press conference last week where he kind of talked about both sides of the issue was a, a pretty masterful, you know, you just go look up his press conference last Friday, yeah. uh, and see what he had to say because he's, he's saying everything that I want to say what much, much better. I think Genji Cohan is a master at setting up Rube Goldberg machines. Yes. Like she puts the pieces in place, but she's not going to tell you what to think or, right. or, or say, or because that's a Caputo's, what's right or wrong. Caputo's saying that like the ship went off course as this is an isolated incident, but we know and and he does too there's to a riot extent. going on outside well no that there that there is this is this has been a long time coming this was the abu Ghraib stuff this is the baby mice versus dead fly stuff this was the fact that so many prisoners have been raped and so many guards are involved in sexual activity with the, drug trafficking and there's so much drug like this is just this is not like an isolated event. This is something that has been gross negligence put into pra- practice. And, you know, we also see how, like, you know, the racism ties into it, the racism of the guards, the racism of the prisoners. Mm-hmm. Man, I it's it's a real shit show. And, you know, of course, MCC is more, resp- more worried about their personal responsibility and their profit line, their profit margins than they are about making sure that this this woman gets treated with dignity and death and has justice and even like it was tragic the fact uh you know her father this general uh probably a great american doesn't he the only reason he finds out is because caputo is so guilty that this will get out on national tv before you know that that's the worst way you can find out about right. it. It, it not a personal it, phone call between you know man to man, so to speak, but 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 just this impersonal press conference that you're holding to cover your ass. I, and without Tasty, would the thought have even occurred to him ever? Good good point. Um, and the but that's the thing; that, it's not for la- I mean, he understood fully how fucked up the situation is, but not enough to really buck the system. No. And when he did buck the system, it was to back his guy. Yeah. And that's why you got a prison riot on your hand. And also the fact that like, look, let's talk about how Humphrey got the fucking gun in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because these guys have had this culture of like, well, we're just going to look after each other and not and then look the other way. This led up to the old. I mean, I feel like someone's going to die. Yes. And it's going to be because they've set this culture into, into practice and into play. Right. By the way, Yet again, the if I'm an American service person, serviceman or woman, yeah. this is hard to watch because this shit that they're talking about, like soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq, is the worst kind of baby-killing Vietnam-era shit that I don't think any of us really wants to go back to. And yeah. I don't know where it's coming from. Like, this can happen. And I think it's bad. It's almost like... This only happens when you have psychopaths involved that are seriously no this is this is just 
this is what you have to be eternally vigilant against when you have these imbalances of power and when you have people's lives entrusted and and and, and you got this one up one down situation. It's not just because you know it, it, this is only going to happen to people like Piscatella. They're damaged and have skeletons in the closet and humps who who you know has has killed innocent men and women and boys and girls and Afghan. Like this this can happen. In, in any place at any time if you're not vigilant against the attitudes and the policies that, that bring this shit about. I didn't like that. I I really don't like what they were doing with these ex the, these these veteran characters. Right. I mean, there's a couple like McCullough, I guess, comes off the best of all of them. Does she? Or is she just not going to I mean to... she's not vile. You know, she's she's I don't think she gives a shit about Pusey, but but she is aware of like the optics of, oh, my God, there's this dead woman still in the cafeteria. Well, sure. But I mean, being the person who turns a blind eye to all the bullshit around you doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you as culpable, but it doesn't make you a better person. It's just, I you know, it's just sad she, because they the wrote this in episode. Afghanistan who watched Dixon have children um, juggle grenades and didn't say anything. She didn't laugh and enjoy it, but she didn't stop it either. Sure. I mean, but it's sad because in telling that they wrote this episode to speak to Ferguson and Eric Garner, and yet it comes out and, and, you know, less than three weeks after it it debuts and the week that we're going to talk about it, we have like all another two cases flare up. Um, I don't know. It's, it's sad situation and it's 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 I would say it's precinct except for it's just repeating the past and we are doomed to repeat it because nobody you know nobody seems like they want to talk you know to, to get serious about you know fix everyone wants to go to their corners and no one wants to like you know get serious about how do you fix the problem how do you deal with you know like like it's not enough to say well we have a mental health crisis in this country okay what the fuck are we going to do about it? It's not enough to say we have issues with policing in this country. You know, why do we have issues? What what policies have we been pursuing for decades that have led to these issues mm-hmm. with the police? Um, what you know, that's everyone the war just on drugs. I, I mean, that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was that that's 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 a that was the war on drugs is largely mm-hmm. racist policy from 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 top to bottom to begin with yeah, so always has been well classist as well yeah. right and that's what's really amusing is that if you go look into the history of gun control in the country that was uh largely racist policies that are trying to be enacted to disarm black people and now it's like this big bugaboo amongst conservative whites mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's 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 like the fucking uh, White Walkers in Game of Thrones, or this this weapon that went went unlo- uh, uh, got unleashed, and it's just attacking everybody. I I don't know. It's I don't obviously. I'm just a podcaster. I don't have the answers, but I would like to see our leaders in uh, government and uh, politics and civic leaders uh, start s- stop the platitudes and start with the solutions. All right, we got that off our chests. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the episode itself, or I mean, we just we, kind of jumped right into the end? And I mean, that's the thing. Like the whole the whole through line that the the episode's built on is Pusey's body, and okay. what the hell's going to happen to it, and the ensuing prison riot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can talk to. Um, there's just some nice character moments throughout the episode. Sure, like in the immediate aftermath. Like I just thought that Pusey's friends and the way they were dealing with their grief felt very realistic. I like yeah. the fact that like you know you had Norma consoling so-so by singing her the fact that suzanne's first thing to grapple the, the her first met way to grapple with this situation was to try to relive the experience yeah like viscerally yeah and so so getting drunk to deal with it and and but still being the hero and angie and leanne <laughs> getting you know, drunk just because it's the weekend yep and tearing up the time machine because it's cursed um uh, piscatella did he walk out for good well, that's the thing. Like, they dropped the two things out of this season that I want to know about going forward is what is Kakudio's background that had, uh, I think Caputo, like, spooked about, or maybe it was Piscatella, like, you know, his eye, their eyes widen when they're looking at her record. And also, what is up with Piscatella? What is the skeleton in his closet that got him kicked out uh, of the, the, the men's max security prison? 
Did he get kicked out or just transferred well, over? Tra- but, I mean, they implied that... It can't have been that bad. This, this wasn't bad their baddest-ass, awesome guy, that this was somebody that they were sh- shifting over here to kind of bury and get rid of, is yeah. what I felt. And I don't know... I don't know. I mean, clearly, there's a whole bunch of red flags you could choose from, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, this guy went from... This charming guy that I really liked and was standing up for the prisoner's civil rights to this monster by the end of the season, which is another thing that felt, you know, that's the Jinji Cohen, like, you know, tearing up and building down process. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam Healy's Healy, tearing up and building Healy, down. Healy, yeah, Healy's now in a, you know, day camp for mm-hmm. uh, people with uh, depression and he's he's doing, uh, what do you call that? Crochet and it's it's uh, where we got the plastic grids uh, that and cross po- or cross stitch. Yeah, whatever. Um, Needle point. I don't know what to think about him because Healy? no, 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 not oh. Healy Piscatella. I think you're supposed to think he's a dirtbag now, right? But again, I, there's a there's a core mystery that they've set up for next season, and also I started thinking like you know, and Alex and Piper talking. Alex is gambit that she's going to cover the prison with these pieces of paper that said his name was uh, uh, uh aiden byat yeah that that is got into all the foreshadowing about this cousin who is this iranian arms yeah. runner or iraqi arms black I... ar- black black market arms dealer that that's some kind of foreshadowing that this isn't over what did what did she think was going to happen that he would get a proper burial well, and gets me mourned well, but but what happens when the family finds out that his body was found at Litchfield Prison? I know that's what, what I'm saying. What happens when they look at who's a prisoner in Litchfield? Right, like I mean, I, I can't believe dumb, that dumb. Um, that that her boss is not is is not smart enough to make the connection between oh this guy did a contract with Alec Voss I haven't heard from him since then let me check up on Alex oh she's still alive in the prison what the fuck. That's clearly going to be chickens that come home to roost, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the other thing is, like, I will say that as much as I did not like the, what they did with the, the veteran characters, that overall, I feel like you could say the same thing in, in broad strokes about this season, about, like, while wow, they took this Litchfield minimum security women's prison and turned it into Oz in the space of about two and a half seasons. Yeah. But I kind of, and... I kind of am okay with it. Really? Yeah, because like it's it allows them to tell so much more interesting stories with yeah. with more stakes besides you know who's getting the chicken and who's addicted to drugs. Like there there's like yeah. real teeth to these stories now. Uh, I don't feel like it's realistic or organic, but it's it's got heart and emotion and it's compelling as hell. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for this direction the series has taken broadly. I just don't know what to think about this you know storyline with the. Uh, it's funny because Alex is making this point that like this contract killer is still a dude who had positive thought. You know, he's 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 not a dude. He's a human being with positive and negative traits. Yeah. Yet with the veteran characters, they've put them into a position where it's like I don't even know if you get this. You get this backstory in this red bearded fuck that's having kids juggling grenades and raping women and then killing them because they'll be honor killed anyway. And you yeah. know, we just got to get over it. I'm a good guy. Like. What the fuck in his backstory could I possibly... Does Bailey kill himself? I, I thought... Because it was... if I... If someone... If I was in a place of duress like he is, and I'm being compared to a truly awful human being and saying we're the same... Uh, right. That, that was not a great thing to say to him. No. Um, but I'm thinking, like, what could it... In his back, I mean, like, if they showed... If, if his backstory was in, is essentially generation kill, I just still don't think that that makes anything that he does understandable much less right Mm-mm. uh i don't know uh what can we talk about as far as coats and pentatucky and boo here because um, this was coats very much seems like he is just a rapist okay <laughs> talk about that it seems like well, I mean, he controlled himself this time, but if there were more anger or desire or something like that, what's to say that he doesn't stop next time? Well, and 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 maybe he's right. He should get a different job and probably get treatment. Yeah, exactly. I think we talked about this at length last time, but and 
it doesn't seem like it was a one-off situation. Mm-hmm. Seems like he does seriously have a problem. But on the other hand, like, what do you think about Pentateuchi kissing him? I mean, I think that's fine. He just took it too far. Okay. I I just don't. I again, I I don't know. Like, all of this is within the realm of possibility. None of this felt false. It was just like one of those things where you just cover in your mouth and like, oh no, oh no, no. The whole time it's happening. Like it's, it seems like, you know, we've talked about baseline prisoner guard romances are not cool. They're they're impossible to have, and they're not yeah. they're not cute, and they're not romantic. And then you add the fact that this man has raped this woman on top of that. Right, he's threatening to do it again. Was he threatening, or was... I feel like that... He said, it's taking everything in me to not just throw you down and do it again. Right. Which, which maybe he thinks it's like a sexy, playful threat, but... Well, and then she, you can see that she, she was, uh, you know, attracted to him, but then you could see that that was starting to, you know, trauma- yeah. re-traumatize her, and he realized that and backed away, but yeah, and he I feel says, like, are you still scared of me, and continues to come on to her when she says yes... Uh, so another topic that we could talk about is Nikki and Red, and the fact that Nikki is kind of sort of sobering up in this episode. What do you mean, kind of sort of? Well, I mean, she's being f- being f- what are they she's being it? forced to sober up because the last time someone offered her drugs, she jumped at the chance, and it wasn't a it was you know Pinsatucky's offer was not valid, and now she's on lockdown, and um. You know, Red saying it, it looks like Nikki wants Red to believe that everything is okay now, and Red says I'm cautiously optimistic, but yet Nikki, that doesn't seem like it's enough for her. Or As, am I reading into that? Well, I think that Nikki and Morello's come to Jesus, so to speak, later in the sure. episode where they're get really honest with each other. I think that's that helps a lot. That's one of the steps, right? How so? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure that's just something that you need to do at some point in order to get really sober is to become really honest with yourself and and to make amends with your family and friends and blah blah blah. So what was her what's her honesty that she's going because Well, I think that it's Morello calling her a junkie addict liar and Nikki telling Morello that she's just insane and her admitting it and the, uh-huh. just it having seems like an they honest both moment. admitted it. Like, yes, I am a junkie. I am a, a, I'm a junkie user liar, and you are this crazy person who can't get... Can't keep it together. Can't keep it together enough to save a relationship that you really, really value. And, and I thought that was the authentic thing, the fact that she's like, I am watching myself do this, and I can't stop it. But they both also, in in that honesty, seem to have potential to get better or be better together. I don't know. Well, I noticed that Morello like, grabs her arm at the end of it. You yeah. Know, after they're kind of leaning against the fence, like and... a comfort gesture, right? Um, but I don't know, like what? Uh, I don't know that Morello. I don't know that Morello needs to have an affair with Nikki. Uh, I don't think that's going to help any of her process. But it feels like that's what the show is trying to cram down these two characters' throats. Even Red is working against. Like you know, that's what sets this thing up. Red sends them to make out spot to scout for a garden in, in the guise of keeping her people busy. I mean, does she know that Morello has been rejecting Nikki's advances though? I mean, she knows what she, she knows their past dynamics. She knows that she's not actually trying to have a baby and she knows their past dynamics. Sure. Maybe she thinks that that's what they need. But what does Morello need besides like, does she need some kind of medication, she, she some kind of therapy, psych. some psych. I mean, she doesn't need psych cause psych is the land of the, tortured lunatics in this this universe i don't know what she needs and if she can even get it in prison but i don't think she needs to be thrown in the arms of nikki for sure what do you think she needs i, I mean because I, I mean nikki's not wrong when she says you've got a bullshit pin pal dopey relationship like all those things are are true as well and you're you know you, you married a man child and you know, you you also have got I I I, I, uh, I it just sucks because at the end of last season, I was so excited for this relationship. They, they always do. It's like it's Day Daya and Bennett all over again. Like any time you get re- excited about a relationship that these people have, it seems like it's just going to turn to shit. 
because yeah. they just can't have anything nice. Right. They're just not allowed anything. They're not. I, I mean, that's. Uh, there's no rehabilitation going on at this in this joint. Yeah. I mean, not a single person. I know this is kind of jumping to a different topic, but not a single person this episode decided or chose to make the right decision in terms of calling the police for Pusey. Caputo didn't do it. Why doesn't Yoga Jones Tasty do it? didn't do it, when, even when though Judy... she had access to a phone. It's true. Judy didn't do it. Yoga Jones didn't do it when Judy threw her phone at her. Yeah. Why didn't not someone do Nobody. something? And I guess that's yeah. the interesting thing is Judy King is in the middle of this thing, uh, this situation as well. Like yeah. she, that was kind of a, a a a piece of light comedy before we got the the real end. Uh, is this four way clusterfuck of angry women converging on her location just as she's on the threshold of being free? But she's so close to the door. How does that? This is my particular bugaboo. Is how does that particular hall get blocked? Yeah, a group of women did not come from the outside to block the, that. The, the writers are working with the prisoners pretty clearly, but this is <laughs> why a, don't you, you know, just the run thing, towards the door? This is a problem for MCC because they've backdated her paperwork. She shouldn't even be here, and now yeah. she's going to be a hostage in a prison yeah. riot. Like it would be funny if that little that you know it's kind of like Al Capone going away for tax evasion. Yeah, like if that's the thing that busts the story wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Danny tells the truth, gets a hold of, and is, a, is able to, to to blow this thing wide open. Or maybe, what if she gets shot? God forbid. Oh my God. Like, I'm hoping no one dies, unless it's Hump. Hump can be killed. Yeah. He's he's uh, something I don't recognize as human anymore. Right, uh, but I just also don't want I don't want there to be repercussions for the killer of Humps. <laughs> sure. Specifically. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you know, it's it's also interesting when they said Attica because I looked up into a little bit more about Attica, and uh, you know, it the prisoners won some concessions for prisoner their, the, for themselves, and also they led to some legislation outlining prisoners' rights. But most of the the people that were kind of like the leaders of the revolt were were punished harshly because they weren't offered amnesty. It's like, well. Yeah, you might have a point, and we were fucking shit up, but kind of like when, uh, was it Gloria and Sophia having the discussion where Mm -hmm. they're talking about things are going to change around here, and they're like, no, don't kid yourself, things aren't going to change, no one's going to, no, it's like these systems, they they quietly change in the background without admitting any personal culpability Yet the, 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 the prisoners in a situation or the criminals in a situation, they are going to be held, you know, accountable for their actions. It's just, you know, like it's it's this weird Kafka-esque system. Right. Uh, but no, I think that that's – NCC is going down next season – uh, things look bad for Daya and anyone involved in these, like, you know, and, and also Tasty. Like, uh, I feel like all the people that um, started, the, quote unquote, the ride, I wonder also, like, the fact that Alex and Vaz were burning the last of her scraps of paper. But they when, didn't burn all the way. Yeah, when someone came over and kicked it, and then Alex and Vaz are like, you know, get the fuck out of here. Like, that is going to be significant, right? Right. Um, plus, there may be 100 new inmates coming in. <laughs> Yeah, we for I don't think Did they we, ever finish the dorms though? Well, no, but the fact is that I and that's the thing, like if MCC goes down, what does that mean for all? I mean, it is 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 next season the last season, right? I don't know. Or is it two another season past that? I don't know. I feel like that maybe the happy ending for this story is that Litchfield has returned to its pre MCC uh, pre-Figaro leaving uh, glory, quote-unquote glory, only with better social programs. Like, there'll be a functional psych ward. There'll be, uh, you know, a real education and training program. Like, the, the, that that's the positive change. That right. The, that the, it won't be privatized anymore, that there'll, there'll be some sane limits on how many people you can stuff in there. <sighs> that's kind of the best-case scenario for right. everyone involved at this point. Yeah. What about Caputo's speech? 
Well, like I said, I mean, I think he did what he thought he needed to do. Uh, he didn't think the prisoner. I mean, it's one of those things where I need to say one thing to the public and to my guards and to the people and to the and to Bailey, and I need to probably say a different thing to the women in the prison. But he fucked up because Tasty didn't go into lockdown. So, yeah. you know, uh, that is bad. And like, there's a lot of legitimate righteous anger, like calling Bailey a murderer. That is probably not right, but as you know, uh, uh, what, what's uh, Janae's name? Watson. Watson. As Watson was screaming, as as Tasty went to resume her post as Caputo's secretary, you got to get our girl off the floor, Tasty. This ain't right. Like that is absolutely yeah. Uh, and you wonder what you know. Obviously, if this had happened to Judy King, it'd be a whole new ball game. But what if this would was Piper underground? You know, if you want to play, she would have been picked up day one and had a her parents called and probably yeah but the thing is is, probably also wouldn't be dead on the ground hmm. why is that why do you say that um because i I could easily see her being in the same position that pusey was i don't see her as being the kind of person that would when it came to like physical or really putting your money or your money where your mouth is is Mm. that the saying yeah that she wouldn't have actually physically become involved if something that she felt principled about was um, put on the line. Hmm. <laughs> and I also don't feel like they probably would have needed as much force. Should we talk about Pusey's last day? Because I got the impression that this was this this day that she had in New York City before she's going to Amsterdam because she mentions at the end when she's smoking with the fake monks. Yeah. It was cool. I mean, like, she goes and meets these drag queens and they take her to this performance art party where people are giving these, you know, weird big brother commands to, like, <laughs> yeah. dance and share and kiss and... Jump and... All, all this stuff. Uh, and she ends up in this park smoking and she says, I'm going to sell off my stash, smoke off my stash. And we also found this episode that she was arrested for petty... Amount, you know, it's a lot, not even an ounce of weed. I think of weed, and with the intent to sell, uh, yeah. and that's why she's in. She and and that's and the the, the one you know, uh, the press press. What do you call those guys? Public relations public guy, PR guys was yeah. like, oh, even her induction photo is adorable. Uh, I feel like that that in the two weeks between now and in Amsterdam, she gets picked up and sent to prison because she's in New York. Obviously, how did she get in the New York prison system? Exactly. Um, like, what are we? Was this just a nice send off for Samira Wiley? Is it Samira Wiley? Samira Wiley. That's Samira... correct. Is it? Was this just a nice send off for her? Where uh, she got to look cool and act cool and like be happy. Like I said, it would have worked for me so much better in the last episode. Before she died. This, it just felt like an afterthought. I don't know. Was it just showing the random, randomness of life? Like if she had gone to Amsterdam, she could have figured shit out. Or if she hadn't, have, you know, had that uh, homophobic base commander in Germany jumping through her shit, that she could have gone to West Point and followed in her father's footsteps and been, you know... I. It was it showing that this amazing night ended in her going to prison and dying, so all of your joys should turn to bitter ash in your mouth? <laughs> I mean... I mean, what? What? I don't know. That's also another indictment on the world war on drugs. Like, Pousset is only a criminal because of yeah. arbitrary rules that we put into place. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and... You know, when when we when we did this with alcohol, like less than a you know around a decade later, oh. we're like, oh shit, we're you know this this is not. Do- I, I mean, why is it that? Why is it that the war on drugs keeps going on? Um, is it because that the prosecutions and the arrests are predominantly amongst minorities? Yeah. Like if if this was if this if if this policy was, and that's the thing. Like I. I, 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 the documentary I'm always talking about, the house uh, I grew up in, um, that you can see on Netflix, where this mm-hmm. guy talks about how, uh, you know, now with like crystal meth and heroin, this is becoming a white problem as well as a minority problem. And it seems like that kind of tracks with the awareness and the wariness that we're having collectively with the, the, this war on drugs thing that we've created in our culture. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder if, if all along the war on drugs have been prosecuted pro- predominantly amongst the majority population, if we would have like put our foot down and said, no, this is bullshit. Right. But 
you know, there's this double standard that keeps it going. That could be part of it. But that's the thing is like, that was a really subtle point because if you weren't paying attention to her arrest, her rap sheet and the things she's saying in her final conversations, it'd just be kind of like, huh? I don't know. Maybe it is just a really nice moment for her to go out on. Right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I didn't not like what it, I did not like the story. I thought it was cute and it was fun and it was fascinating. And she saw, I mean, I also entertained the idea in my head that was it like a hallucination? Mm-hmm. Was it her in purgatory or heaven or? Oh shit. You're going lost with this podcast. I mean, it's the, it was the subway scene really. <laughs> yeah. Like what subway in New York is ever looks like that? I mean, that's like the idea. Like everything is awesome, and you get the spectrum of like this old black woman reading this book about this this alternate science fiction book about uh, a, a Jewish enclave in Alaska. The, you've got uh, a pregnant woman feeling her baby. You got this white dude playing. I don't know what the hell you call that. They're not like the steel drums. It's it's some kind of deal. And you just got like this this whole slice of life and everyone's life being lived around her. And even the fact that there's this crazy synchronicity of like Bailey walking past her as she's trying to find her cell phone. Yeah. Like I do really feel that this is like this is like one of these like life is strange yeah. kind of situations is where – this- one slight change in this person's life trajectory would she would be alive and not just alive but thriving and free and and doing big things with her life right and it's all been snuffed out yeah uh i mean my theory about the subway scene is really only because of uh the the guy them clapping after the guy was finished playing the instrument Mm -hmm. um and everyone just getting along and everything was clean and then there was this a couple of guys that were standing over like in the corner that were wearing these uh, baseball shirts mm-hmm. that just said sports team, mm-hmm. which I guess could be ironic, but yeah, it just seemed like a, okay. I don't know. Uh, at that time, put it out there. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is Suzanne ending up in the infirmary with Maureen. Yeah. Right next to her. Are they going to have a reconciliation or is Maureen going to try to kill her? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Probably more likely. Her face uh, is fucked up. Well, she got, I mean, she got the shit kicked out of her. Like, mm-hmm. Suzanne, like, mm-hmm. just didn't, and no one stopped her for a long, long time. You beat on someone's face like that, it's it's pretty horrific. Um, I do like that they kind of do that with, like, with, uh, like, Red Black, the in season two where she got schlocked. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, they don't shy away from uh, how fucked up the human body can get uh, in, in during this kind of abuse. Uh, yeah, it was not. It was not a TV injury, that's for sure. <laughs> I like the callback to the Shiwi thing, uh, yeah. or as Pusey called it, the stand and deliver, or yeah. like homemade uh, let women pee standing up type of uh, invention. Yeah, there's lots of times when they were going on this roller coaster of emotion of laughing and crying, where I kind of second time around teared up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know why Alex and Voss were trying to break into the greenhouse? I guess to I get no gather idea. supplies because no, Red's supplies? got this resurrected garden plan. Uh, I like that moment too, where Red's reading that book by Anne uh, Lamon about uh, gardens to her family, and she and I'm like, this is beautiful and apropos. And then she brought it around to like, you know, Washington gave me this book <laughs> yeah. because she knew she thought I'd like it, and I did. And I thought like, huh, you know, Pousset was this person. Especially before, like, I guess V is really the start of all this bullshit. Right. Uh, And, you know, she was never cool with how that was impacting the prison anyway. But, like, you know, Pousset was this person that just, like, was cool with with everybody. Yeah. And, you know. (laughs) Except for V. And, and, uh, you know, had the soul of a poet and was, uh, you know, bookish. And she had this private collection in her dorm. I mean, we got a nice, a lot of posthumous uh, character moments with her. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what? even Red looks at, uh, to go back to your original question. Even Red looked pretty surprised that they suggested going into the greenhouse. It didn't. I don't think it made sense. Right. They were I just thought, wanted to fuck around. Yeah, I thought that she's thinking like, "Oh, you guys want to bone each other or something? Whatever." Like I just as want long you busy, as you're busy, <laughs> as long as you're busy. You know, it's uh, sports or after the you know pillow forts, whatever it takes. Um, 
Uh, I don't know what else to say. There's a lot of other, you know, nice moments. Like, I thought it was interesting that this the girl who snores, uh, they were talking. There's, like, a lot of talk about, um, you know, death. Like, she's the fact that she found her father blew his head off, and then three days later she found her mother who killed herself with pills. Yeah. And, and like, she found well, them both. No wonder you're in prison, honey. Like this, that's, that's no way to, to, to start your life. Um, and the fact that like, uh, who was the older lady to offer to make the prison casserole? The Italian one. Yeah. DeMar, DeMarco. Yes. Something like that. Um, from showgirls that, that, you know, the black women were assuming that she she had no idea what they're talking about. And then she tells this kind of horrific story of her own. And it's like, yeah, kind of everybody there's probably, I mean, Piper, you got fucking Piper that doesn't everyone's experienced grief or knows someone who has, or yeah, knows someone who has, or right. Piper's seen girl interrupted. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about anything about the, I I feel like we've done a good job about talking about the season as a whole and how we felt about the various storylines. Yeah. Any predictions? Like I said, I, I'm interested to see what happens to Susanna Marine. I'm interested in seeing what, you know, especially with Marine and her shady, like ultra shocking past and what's going on with that. And we notice she's certifiably, Mm. um, and also really since she's not in psych and she's just in minimum. Well, but I mean, I mean, you always, Lolly was crazy before. I mean, it's Suzanne. It's gotta be bad, but how bad could it really be? All these people, a lot of these people like Morello have mental and or emotional problems that should be treated professionally. But that is seen as a fate worse than death. So it's not like, you know, you're. it's not like as soon as you walk or you cross the threshold of psych, you're officially crazy. It's like, no, you were there. That's why you're you were, you were already crazy. That's why you're there. You're not going to get the help you probably need. And then like, that's the scary thing is like, so Lolly's going to spend how many more years in psych and then get dumped on the streets? Yes. And then probably get picked back up and put back in prison best case scenario she doesn't get shot by the cops the next time right um i i uh, it gives me a big hurt in my belly thinking about this stuff (laughs) uh but i you know i don't know like what else i i feel like that there's going to be some kind of drug dealer revenge plot with alex next year sure can't get enough of that. No, I mean I'm not a big fan of it, but I do feel like that's definitely a shoot is ready it's to drop. Come to roost, yeah. I don't know what ultimately is going to happen with Nikki. I hope that that's a good ending for her because I really like the character of Nikki. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think we'll ever see Lolly again? No. Hmm. I think that next. I didn't season... think we'd ever see. I, I think I said last week year's podcast. Podcast. Pasta cast. Okay. Yeah, we should have a pasta cast. I'm hungry. Um, I, I felt like that we would never see Nikki again, and yet we did. So, if you can come back from Max, yeah. some bullshit engineered thing, maybe, maybe Healy will come out better and stronger than ever, and and get Lolly out of there. I don't know. Right? Maybe Ruby Rose will come back from Max. Nah, I don't need any more of that in my life. Uh, what else do you want to talk about before we get the feedback? I don't. Let's get the feedback then. Okay. Um, Phil. Wrote in. I think Caputo did the right thing on the press release. Did he do the right thing? Okay, I don't really know what the right thing is. How to use Bailey as a scapegoat, it at least would have made people more happy. Or just happy. <laughs> but essentially, Caputo is saying that we are all responsible for Pusey's death. Whether it's Caputo's lack of oversight, Piscatello's zero tolerance policy, MCC's bottom line, or the public's general disregard for prisoners' lives, especially black prisoners. As long as MCC appears to be cost-efficient and hire some veterans, yes, these veterans were the worst, we all feel content. Our system is at fault, but people, particularly inmates, don't count on a system being put on trial, so the default action is to punish the individual guard cop in question. Due to Caputo, that did not happen. Through a cynical lens, Caputo needs respect of prison guards of no one else, especially those he previously fired. Yet, I think Caputo is trying to fight the good fight. Interestingly, Leanne and Angie confused their Attica chant with Atticus, the To Kill a Mockingbird hero who similarly made unpopular moral choices. Hmm. Uh. I mean, yeah, Caputo, I think sending Bailey up, you you know, throwing him under the bus would be the wrong move. But what was missing was any kind of empathy towards the real victim, which is Pusey. And talking about, like, I think the thing to do would be, like, there's going to be a complete investigation. 
people that contributed to the conditions that led to her death are going to be punished appropriately. Like saying something, but making it all about I'm protecting this guy and we're all responsible and I'm not letting he's going to return to work after an event pending, uh, you know, a leave of absence or whatever. Like that's the part like I, I, I appreciate that he stuck up for. Bailey, but the fact that there was no even sketch of a gesture for justice for Pousset mm-hmm. is, you know, why why you got the riot. That actually reminds me of something we didn't talk about. Um, Aleda watching TV at home. Oh, and she's thinking, she oh think my god. Dia? And then, no, it's not. But yes, it is because yeah. Daya's got her hand on the gun. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, that was a that was a nice. I actually like that whole reaction montage where yeah. you've got uh, Healy a, and Aleda and Healy and who else was watching it? Uh, it it wasn't. It was just showing Bailey being investigated. Oh, that's right. Bailey then, talking to the police. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh the next one is and Jones, like jo- like like uh, Judy King wanting to say goodbye to. Uh, oh yeah, and Yoga Jones turning and away. Jones, yeah, Yoga Jones, uh, uh, shutting her out. Uh, the next one is from Sienna. While watching Pusey's flashback, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop for her awesome night in New York City to end with her arrest. When that never happened, and when the dinner or when the night just got dreamier and dreamier, I began to think it wasn't a flashback. I think it was her journey to heaven. Ooh. It par- well, maybe that's where I got the idea. It paralleled with real life. A crime happened. She was crushed by a CO. Her cell phone was stolen. She was separated from her friends in real life and in the flashback. She went on a journey that was fantastic and surreal. She looked so happy in her final shot. I was so glad to not see police lights flash. I think it was her final journey and not a flashback. I'm not religious, but I loved it. Yeah, I mean, you're. I'm not religious either, but that's an in- that's an interesting ter- interpretation. Yeah, and shit it's goes like nice when your when your draw. brain's dying, shit gets weird. Yeah, there's tunnels of light and warm angelic races and right. stuff going on. So, you know, the religious people are like Jesus Christ, Aaron. How much evidence do you need? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can all look at the world through our own lenses. Yeah, I think the most realistic part of all of that, the only evidence that it wasn't, is the the actual New Yorkers who just turned away and scoffed when she asked him for help, <laughs> 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 and the person who stole her cell phone. Well, you know, I don't. I don't think uh, being an asshole, a selfish asshole, keeps you out of heaven. That doesn't get you into hell, right? Hell's for like really bad people. <laughs> and New Yorkers. <laughs> you want to keep baiting them, New Yorkers? You go right ahead. You got the Brooklyn people all rowdy about a year or two ago, uh-huh. and now you're going to go riding hard again. It was all of New York. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, now we got the all five boroughs coming after us. Great, <laughs> Fine. great. Fine. All five families united Fine. against Bald Move. <laughs> Come at me, <laughs> <laughs> bro, uh, sis. Kyla says in a couple episodes you've talked about some of the aspects of the show being unrealistic. Like the guards doing things that presumably are meant to further plot despite being obviously illegal, making prisoners stand on the table for days, for example. Oh, by the way, once we're, why are we talking about realistic? I don't know that a prison can just sit on a body for 24 hours. Like, yeah, the uh, that just isn't going to fly. There's too much of a paper trail like showing even that it's been there hours. Even a few hours is going to be a problem. But whatever, you know, if that's what you got to do to tell the story you want to tell. Unfortunately, I think this is very realistic. All the time, people in power do things they aren't supposed to do and get away with it. Yesterday, I read about a nearby police force. I live in Toronto. So, ooh, Canadians. Oh, that's right. You know, Americans do not have the market on fucked up legal systems and right. judicial systems. Really? Canada does? I just I, I started listening to uh, the docket, which is a Canadian uh, lawyer and his his wife, who's also a lawyer, uh-huh. a podcast because they were covered in making a murder, and I've I've kept listening to them, and yeah, they talk about injustice in the Canadian system uh, all the time, like a weekly podcast that talks about nothing but. Mm-hmm. Uh, conducting strip searches without justification for years and in their paperwork describing strip searches as a lesser type of search to get around proper oversight. This happened consistently for years in this one particular police station and only came to light because one person put in a complaint. Dozens, if not hundreds of people were unjustly searched up their butts. I added that part. And that's just people who were under arrest and this type of systematic illegal conduct is not, conduct is not unique to this one spot in the world. So I can only imagine what happens in prisons on a daily basis. 
Yeah, like in my experience with talking to people I know and you know hearing stories is like if you your BDSM es- friends if you escape if you escape from the criminal justice system, uh, the last thing you want to do is like go fight it. You know, it's like, well, I was kind of fucked up, but you know what? I'm I'm out of jail, or I'm I didn't get in jail, or they dismissed my charges, so I'm going to whistle on past the graveyard. I'm not going to tempt fate. Uh, yeah, no, you go to a beach in Mexico with a boat and find Tim Robbins, and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dylan says, "I'm a former Air Force officer. I almost said offender. <laughs> <laughs> Air Force offender. Air Force officer." And the near lack of any redeeming qualities to these veterans is disappointing. My only guess is that the show is trying to make a comparison between Afghanistan, the war zone, and the prison. My main reason to think that this is that on this season, the guards live on the comp. Is the guards live on the compound? It was talked of as a perk in lieu of pay, but it reminds me of soldiers living on a base close to a war zone. When soldiers are deployed, they are in a different mindset than they are when they're at home. It's possible when you're living near or in a constant state of danger that you begin to associate everyone as the enemy. These guards don't get to go home and have their own lives away from the prison. They likely spend all of their off time together at the communal house, doing many of the activities they would have done while overseas off duty. Alternatively, I could also see a flashback for next season for one of the guards to their time in the military. My guess would be that it would show one of the guards being kind to a civilian in Afghanistan, and their kindness ends up causing the deaths of some of their unit. There may be two on sure. the nose, but at least it would have been uh, put some context to these veterans' seeming lack of respect for human dignity. I know that as a veteran myself, that I would never behave as some of them have, and would certainly not permit it to happen near me either. Anyway, thanks for the great work. I will look forward to October in Huntsville. We will see you there. That'd be awesome. Yeah, the he's referring to the Rocket City NerdCon. You can get all the information about that, rocketcitynerdcon.com. October 21st to 22nd, I believe. Sure. Just was prepared to do a promo <laughs> for them, but there you go. It's uh, happening. Google me, it. Me, Cecily, Jim, we're all going down and uh, crashing the place. It's, we're going to get fucking weird with it. <laughs> uh, but yes, I. we mentioned this before, but Aaron and I... Aaron, excuse me. Oh, you're going to out me like that? And his... And drag all my skeletons out of the closet? (laughs) Yes. Our parents have military experience, so we can speak authoritatively on um, how proud they are of this and how shocked they would be to to see how they're being portrayed on television. Well, I think it's interesting, though, because you you talk about diversity in the writing room, and I feel like Jinji Cohen has got a really diverse... A collection of characters in a writing room and they're they're doing a lot of justice but i bet there's not a single veteran nope and it's interesting it's like i was listening to norman lear you know this great and i was reading the uh the forums and they were talking about how the writer's room is mostly white as well interesting um so you got you got norman lear who's like you know this great legendary hollywood you know showrunner and writer and he did all in the family and stuff like that and he's a super progressive guy world war ii veteran you know, like he's from a generation where, like, oh, no, you, you, no one got a, out of that generation without knowing someone who fought in the war, died in the war, or maybe did the fighting themselves. Whereas the last few generations we've had, it's been, you know, volunteer, and the people that are volunteering tend to be like the, you know, poor and, and underprivileged people in the country. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that you've got these very liberal, educated people writing these television shows, and I wonder. You know, uh, if anyone said, ooh, boy, we are really doing a number on America's <laughs> fighting men and women. And with, with no, like the, the biggest redeeming quality is one of them isn't, is a woman and is not a terrible person. They're just, they just look the other way. Yeah. Like, I, mm, I, I think they maybe should have had somebody in there because they really went overboard. Really went overboard, in my opinion. Right. Um, that's all I've got for this season. All right. This episode, this season, this year. Yep. Done. I'm out. (laughs) Uh, Is this all a dream? Are we actually in heaven right now? Yep. I think I said this last year, but whether we come back next year is going to be entirely when Netflix releases this and how busy we are in our lives and all that. But I certainly hope. 
you know, we've got, uh, I think, coverage of all. Like, we've, I think we don't have the first season episode by episode, but I know we did a podcast on it. Um, but I feel like that I would like to see this to the end, and I do enjoy watching this show. And again, I apologize that we weren't able to do it in the timely fashion that we normally do. On the other hand, uh, we are wrapping this thing up like two, three, four, two, three weeks earlier than we normally do. So uh, I do feel good about the overall format. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back in September ish. Sure. For House or the the American Horror Story. Doesn't that start in October? No, it starts in late September. Really? Yeah, okay. they just released the still images teasing the season this year and the release date. And we'll see you in October at Rocket City NerdCon. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as Jim and I, we're keeping track on the Game of Thrones rewatch in season one, starting to Mr. Robot podcast. And I hear tell that Jim's going to do a non-Aeron project with Halt and Catch Fire with Eric Walquist from uh, Personal Arrogance and Direct Fame. So lots of stuff coming up on the Bald Move. And also in October, something I'm personally excited about, uh, HBO's new Westworld series. Mm. Going to be starting that day one. The only thing you're excited about doing this year. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm excited about all the things I'm doing. It's my favorite uh, game to play with you. <laughs> you just, just fucking like with me? Boo yeah. and Pensateki. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I, was, I, didn't, I didn't come from the sticks. I come from the city. I don't think that's true. Like, the the situation that they depicted last year... With her, you know, that, that felt like that's like, you know, a very rural location where she didn't. Didn't you get like she's not living in the city? Well, she Does went she to think, a party in the sticks. That's different from living in the, the city. city. Kids going to party in the sticks. Fuck yeah. Huh. Huh. I always thought that she's like, you know, outer suburbia at best, but more rural. But I don't know. Maybe that's just the. Uh, the Pentatucky name. Downtown uh, Mooresville was a city. No, it was not. And I would never would describe. <laughs> I would have described that as the sticks. And that's what it felt like to me. Like it felt like Mooresville, Indiana, <laughs> and that is not the city. It is incorporated as such, but it is not the city. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So thank you for uh, sharing this season with us. Um, you, we already told you when we'll be back, and uh, <laughs> we'll hope to see you real soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.